How has Dallas been treating you so far? Very well. Very well. And my headache's gone, by the way, just in case you were wondering. So it's been a very good day to be me. Not a good day to die, just a good day to be me. Look at this, Throw, throwing out the Star Trek references already. Right away. Well, we've, we've got we've to start with, with Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I will say in front of this crowd of people, and I said it when we had Avery Brooks a couple years ago, my favorite Star Trek series. Mine too. <laughs> How did you uh, find yourself in, in the mix for, for being on the show? Was it something that you sought out? Was it something that was brought to you as, hey, they're auditioning for this? Actually, I'd read for that casting director a few times, and um, unfortunately, I wasn't her favorite actress. So when they started casting for it, they wouldn't see me. So I got in the last round. They were at the end of the summer, and they'd already been filming, I think, for a week when I started auditioning for it. And by the time I got it, it was the end of August, and then they just had like my stuff left. But when I got it, I was so totally shocked because I just thought, this lady does not like me at all. How am I ever gonna get past whatever? But yeah, so I didn't really seek it out, but once I found out that they were looking for, um, you know, somebody who lived multiple lifetimes, who, I mean, I couldn't help but think of, um, I always thought it'd be cool if I was the female Indiana Jones, because I like to be really physical. <laughs> so I didn't get to do that stuff right away, but um, um, I wasn't really a, a great athlete by any sense of that, but I like being athletic. Does that make sense? So um, my, the fight scenes are always my favorite, and I think I was always kind of waiting for that to happen. But yeah, it, I feel like I earned getting it. I didn't really think in a million years it would happen for me. At the same summer, at the, be at the beginning of that pilot season, I got Red Dwarf. And right away I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to be as funny as an effeminate black man. There's, it's just not going to work. <laughs> but the cat suit was pretty cool, and it was fun to do. So in the world of Deep Space Nine itself, a different, a, I would say a little bit different than what they had behind the scenes on The Next Generation, where it was a lot of corridors and a lot of sets that they would bring in and move out. You guys had much more of kind of a fixture set, this giant promenade space, and it was, it was as, as I've read and heard, it's, it was more of kind of a world inside of itself. Did it feel kind of like you were, you were, you were inside a space where, you know, there, there are these quarters over here, and instead of going to my trailer, I'm just gonna go take a nap, you know, in this, in this fully formed room over here. Did it feel more kind of like- A permanent. Home, or like a permanent yeah, place? Yeah, it was more permanent, and um, I'm sure the stages are much bigger than this room. Certainly the ceilings are much higher than this room, but um, yeah, Ops is, was so big. I mean, it was, it didn't look as big on TV as it was in real life. It was amazing, and same with the promenade, and especially because it was two stories. I think that made it pretty fantastic. So. It was really uh, easy to be in the space of Deep Space Nine, because even if you were a visitor, it'd be like, wow, I'm really here. And uh, of course, all the windows had the uh, velvet with the little holes. They made it look like a star, right? So you really did, yeah, you did. It felt really real. In terms of the dynamic among the cast, every Star Trek cast has a, has a different kind of uh, feel to it, a different kind of relationship to one another. Uh, the nature of what you guys were doing, where it was this gigantic, well-oiled machine that was constantly in motion, 
did you guys have that much time other than just going to work and doing the work uh, to, to socialize, to, to become friendly, to be pals? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was all business. Everybody was showing up to the, the well, space station shaped mall. They were small pal moments, but um, actors are really easy to hang out with because you're interested in people and people are you're kind of hungry to get to know what people are about. And um, so that part's easy, but the work was so uh, serious and we couldn't get one word wrong in our dialogue. And especially because I had techno babble, it didn't make me very sociable because I was trying to hold on to these words like. Mm -hmm. You guys are talking between takes and I'm making sure that I get every yeah. syllable right. Well, yeah. I think that was part of my problem. I would talk in between takes. And I think that probably drove in the knob. Oh. Okay, she's talking again. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I always had that note, Terry should refrain from talking on my report cards. She's a little too social. Something that, uh, that I think we all noticed throughout the series was there, there was a shift at a certain point to a very serialized kind of a narrative that you guys were playing with. There were, there were different arcs that, that we saw for different characters. Things got more interesting for you over time as it did for the whole cast. Did you, did you feel through the process of the shows, uh, the, the six years that you were uh, part of it, that there was, there was a part where you felt like you were really getting to dig into what interested you about the character mm -hmm. initially? Did, was that more toward the beginning or was it something that, that grew over time that you were able to really get into the meat of it? It definitely grew over time. Um, Ira Bear and I talked about this too. It, it was um, them getting to know us, and it was hard because they were really far away from us. So just getting to know us as people, and once you've seen how I was physical, and I, any of you that have met me or know me know that I'm a very high energy, outgoing, you know, friendly person. Um, if you don't know that side of me, I'm sorry. Um, but I try to be, I mean, that just feels natural to me. So that's when he started to write uh, me to do more stunts and stuff like that. So that was so joyful for me. And then Michael Dorn was a friend of mine before I got the part. So when I actually got the part, uh, like, this is a whole other story, but Michael Dorn, Marina, and Jonathan Frakes, I worked with Jonathan Frakes on Paper Dolls. He played um, Morgan Fairchild's assistant. <laughs> They all came down to congratulate me in Michael's, uh, I don't know what you would call it, his uh, workroom, Michael Westmore, I mean, because so, they were taking my, the imprint of my face right away and all of that to congratulate me. And so when Michael Dorn came onto Deep Space Nine, nobody was as happy as I was. And we had the scene together and we both were like, let's flirt with each other. <laughs> let's see what they do with that. So it worked. <laughs> and then, then we got an episode that I, I know, you know, I, I don't have the encyclopedic immediate recall knowledge of, of the series like I think everybody does, but a friend had me on a podcast recently to talk about the episode where we moved forward that relationship, looking for Parmach in all the wrong places. The longest title of an episode of Deep Space Nine. How about you said it right? I uh, look, I, I rehearsed. You did. Did you? <laughs> just, there, a, just a touch. I've got, I've got notes. I, I've got, I've got three or four words. There's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, the, you know, that episode felt, felt kind of like uh, they, they decided, well, we're going to move their relationship forward and we're going to make this a thing now. Was it something that, that you guys took it as kind of your 45-minute your 
you know, uh, love farce of the week. This is going to be embarrassing, um, but would you refresh my memory on oh, what not happens in that episode? Uh, some, Anybody some, else? A uh, Klingon character from earlier in the series comes back and Worf, uh, like, like he's been hit by a love potion, is just infatuated with this woman. And uh, Dax is helping him help Quark win her affection somehow. And through, uh, through counseling him, as to, you know, I, I don't know if you're really in love with this woman. I think you're just infatuated with her. Uh, you and Worf end up having, um, we'll say, a rather physical off-screen moment together and end the, uh, the episode uh, looking pretty amorous. Oh, do we go to Jillian's for... Yeah, to get to get fixed up after. I was kind of upset about that because it really looked like like not healthy thing to have on television <laughs> for kids. You beat yourselves up, and that was amorous, using your word. <laughs> and we ended up having to go to the hospital in the morning. You know, I think in some most some cases weird things about Klingon. A, uh, there might be the police involved with these kinds of things, but in our case, it was mad love. <laughs> I do remember that now. How did, how did, how did, uh, how did. It was awesome. He's huge. And I'm six feet tall. So anything, sorry, I have to be oh, a no. girl gusher right now. Anything that makes you feel small and petite and, oh. yeah, I loved making out with Michael Dorn. <laughs> I did. I did. I really did. And I can say that now. Yeah. Because, you know, with Wild Abandoned, I don't have to return to the set and be worried about any of that. Yes. And now he looks like a male model. But I kind of <laughs> liked him beefier. It's like I could crawl over him. It was just like, you know, <laughs> something to accomplish in a scene. My secret plan absolutely worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, something that I'm, I'm sure everyone asks you about. Uh, that I know all of us in the audience are fans of is Back to School. Now. Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, I bet you're going to ask me about. Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Love him. Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, yes. this comedy legend. Yes. Uh, you're 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 making this movie uh, somewhat earlier in your career. Yes. What was that experience like? Was that was that something where again you were surprised to 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 even be a part of it in the first place? Yes, um, I. My first audition uh, was with him, if I remember correctly, and I was so nervous that I took one of these, there's a, an exercise that seems silly, but it's really helpful if you're nervous, is to, um, because one of the things about being an actor is being observant is really important because you'll be working on different things and you wanna be able to pay attention to details, right? So everything seems more real. So I was nervous meeting Rodney Dangerfield. I used to live across the street from his comedy club when I lived in New York City. And um, I don't know, so I always sort of felt like, it was, I don't know, that he was cool. And um, anyway, so I am looking at this pencil, like thinking about how the texture of the uh, eraser feels and the metal and how I used to bite the metal when I was a kid to get the eraser to squirt back out. You know what I mean? And like biting the lead and oh my god I wonder if I had lead poisoning when I was a kid because I used to chew on the pencil. I got stabbed once in first grade and then he said my name and I'm like yeah. Like it was 
I was there with the pencil, calm, and suddenly I'm like, oh my god, I can't function. <laughs> and he was so charming and kind, and fortunately they wanted me so badly, like how it worked out for Deep Space Nine. My nerves getting the better of me just made it more charming and work, thankfully. Um, yeah, so he was just like, really like, just try to relax, it's no big deal. And then filming, I had no scenes with him, so he would come over in, to my trailer in his bathrobe and like make jokes with me. He'd knock on the door and tell me a joke and then just walk away. I've heard stories about this bathrobe from comedian friends of mine that would be in movies with him and everything. Right on. He would, he would wander, he would just yeah. casually walk around in this bathrobe only wearing the bathrobe. Yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure there was nothing underneath it. And I mean, I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't look. I, at, at the age of 20, I really didn't want to see. <laughs> you know, maybe some of the younger guys that were on the set I would have been more curious about. But <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm curious, going back to, to when you were a kid, were, were acting aspirations a part of what you wanted to do uh, from an early age? Was there anything that influenced you growing up in Iowa uh, to, to get into the creative business? This is going to be one of those painfully embarrassing things, but when I was a kid, like I mean, um, like 9, 10, 11, um, I always had this problem with waking up first in my family. I'd get up at like 5 in the morning. I personally was convinced at that age it was because I was born at 5 in the morning, so that was my magic hour. You know how when you're a kid, things mean so much. And um, <laughs> so this was my magic hour, and I would put, um, a towel around me like it was a dress and I would lip sync to songs I wanted to be a rock star and I had the worst voice ever so can't sing but that was like oh, yeah they all want me yeah that that was and you know growing up in the being born in 63 my examples of sex symbols and my uh that the time the world was in then, women were definitely sex symbols. It was hard to find anyone that was smart, that was pretty, that, you know, was interesting. But, um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, I made myself an object. Like, that's, right? That's what that did to the girls in that time. So. I'm actually really surprised I ended up getting to be Dax instead of being a Davo girl. Because when I was 9, 10, or 11, I would have loved to be a Davo girl. Especially my stand-in Kathy, who wore the outfit that was red and sparkly. Yeah. Oh yeah, wearing the less on, the better. Yeah. All right. Well, getting into the business, what, I'm, you know, I, you, we, we talked a little bit before, um, I, I wonder about trying to, trying to find parts that reflected the way that you wanted to be seen on screen, the way that you wanted to be associated with different things. Mm -hmm. Was it, was it uh, kind of catch as catch can when it came to the work? Was there a certain amount that over time you were able to put in terms of, of consideration of what kind of a part you were taking mm -hmm. and what it reflected about you? Uh, in, in terms of what you I were portraying you. on screen? Was, was there any of that? I think that felt like a luxury to me that I couldn't afford. Um, I didn't come from, we lived in a two bedroom apartment. 
there were four of us, and uh, you know, like the meal was the meal. You couldn't go. I mean, I would, I was always so hungry, and I, I remember getting in trouble for my stepfather because I snuck peanut butter. And, yeah, it was like I snuck peanut butter because I was so hungry, right? That's how I grew up. So for me, having money to have a pantry to have choices of what food to eat, that is my dream come true. And so whenever I was working, when I was, uh, especially when I first started, I started modeling at 17, I just wanted to work. I just so desperately did not want to grow up and be poor. There's anything I could do. And I never felt, I, unfortunately, my self-esteem wasn't real high. Um, total reflection of the time, too. Um, I'm sure if I felt better about myself as a, a, a young woman, you know, the teeny bopper years, I would have probably been more, had a more positive academic experience. But, uh, so I felt a bit like, oh, I just fell into luck and I, I wouldn't be able to find a career if this wasn't happening for me. I'm just being totally honest. So I would do pretty much any job I could do. Um, there are things where I did things for photo shoots and stuff, and I think, oh, I shouldn't have done that, because that wasn't in my heart to do. But at the time, the money was more important to be saving. And when I got Star Trek, that was just, I mean, to have a regular job. Of course, you, you didn't know from year to year. They still had you on pins and needles. But when I could afford, finally, I think it was by the, the second or third season, to save the amount of money it cost me to live a month, I was like, that, that's what's going to get me through the years when I don't work as an actor. And then I got Becker and did the same thing. So when I got pregnant with Max, I was able to say, oh my gosh, between me and my husband, I can go be an at-home mom. And if we play our cards right and don't spend too much money, I might never have to do it again unless it's something I love to do. So then I can come around full circle and look at now, what would I want to do? I did two plays with my husband at the Hershey Area Playhouse uh, Community Theater, which is kind of funny. Some of the best kind of theater. Right. It really, <laughs> really, it really is. It was so much fun. And I'd never had that experience before. And um, it really gave me a lot of confidence as an actress. And in my dream come true, coming back to the business way, is it would start that way so I could build my confidence, again, because I haven't done this I haven't done acting for over 10 years, right? To our great loss. Thank you. And that I could actually um, make artistic choices would be a really beautiful thing. And I know that if I invested in the time in doing theater, then that would make me more valuable as an actor because it would prove that I actually learned my craft in a way that actors respect, right? Can I ask the audience a question? Yeah. Did Terry Farrell do anything to increase anybody out there's self-esteem, self-confidence? You can make noise. That's generally the, the kind of feedback I'm looking for. There, there's, there's, there's so much to unpack in the work that you did playing Dax. One of the things that only recently uh, came to mind for me, and a friend of mine reminded me of this, it's, it's, it's completely honest. This, is, this, this audience is full of people who love you and care about you and who's lives have been impacted by your work. So I'm, I'm not alone. I'm just the guy on stage. Thank you. It's so nice of you. 
<laughs> you know, th this character where you're playing somebody who has the, the, the concentrated experience of various lifetimes. Uh, there, there are issues of, of gender and identity and things that, were, were you even consciously thinking about some of the stuff that you were playing with where you were playing the consciousness of uh, an old man and a young woman and another young woman and another old man and someone you know, who lived 300 years ago. Was this something that, that hit you when you were doing this character work? I lost sleep over it to the point where they hired me an acting coach to just do the scene and <laughs> <laughs> stop worrying so much about the backstory. Uh, yeah, I read about Taoism um, uh, to try to help me be more peaceful. Uh, at 28, it took a lot of consideration because at 28, you're, uh, although you're feeling like an adult, I think, at least for me, my 20s was a big slap in the face for like, oh yeah, I'm an adult. No, you're not. No, you are not. You do not know what's going on. In fact, your shit stinks. You just, you're barely hanging on by a thread, girl. And it's seriously, so much is thrown at you from being a child being taken care of to being thrown out in the world. And I moved to New York City when I was 17. And uh, I got my GED for high school, but at 17 and being six feet tall, people assumed I was older than I was. So they let me into clubs and everything. And I had no business. At 17, I should have been going home, back home to my mom and dad, right? Um, seriously, don't send your kids out to do that. Um, yeah, so I think in my, my view of how my life has come together, even by the age of 28, so much had happened to me uh, between my mother's divorces and how many times we moved as a kid and how my life had changed so much, how much I always kept moving and moving, that um, I felt like I could relate to Dax in that sense, or maybe that's how I made it make sense for me was that this is who I was, like the little girl pretending to be the rock star. That was one life. That's one part of my personality. There's another part of my personality that would, would die for my sister. I'm the big sister, and she's only a year and a half younger than me, but my mom was working so much that I always took care of her. So then that was another part of me, and that is like a, there. oh, my sister. I would die for her. I love her so much. I mean, even now, we're like the best of friends, but then, especially, it gave me, it was like the only thing that gave me power, was feeling like I could defend my sister. So that was a part of Dax, too. That was another piece of my personality. And as you can, you understand, and so on and so forth, that would happen. So yes, I did consider that. And moving to New York City when I was 17, at the time when the AIDS epidemic was just being born, I was working with people and that passed away while I was modeling this 17, 18, 19, before I moved to LA at 20, I lost a lot of hair and makeup people that, it, like I didn't understand at that age what the heck AIDS was, no one did really anyway, but it, I didn't even understand, well, I kind of figured how I grew up, you know, if you love someone, that's all that matters, but it didn't seem to be like a stigma or anything where I grew up, it was just something no one talked about, there was just this nice lady couple and they're always together, okay, but my parents yeah. never made a deal out of it, so I'm very fortunate not to have had that be a stigma on me. So I think it really helped me uh, as an actress playing Dax for a lot of the stuff that came up. It's really important me, to me to fight for people to be able to love who they love without being judged in any way, right?
There's so much about us that we don't share with people that we know we trust even because we're afraid we won't be accepted. And that's a terrible place to be, you know? We've got some folks up at the mics. We've got about 15 minutes left. I can't believe how quickly time has flown. I want to make sure that we get everybody's questions in. Uh, so so we're, uh, we've got uh, seven or eight people. Uh, but we, we will find a way. We will make this happen. I will uh, abuse my power as the moderator to even go over by a few minutes if I have to. I hope none of the staff is in here and listening. So let's start with the gentleman in the Star Trek uniform over here on this mic. How can you see them? Uh, a very strong Special. prescription in these glasses. Yeah, uh, some Google technology. Uh, Google technology. <laughs> They're driving everywhere. Hi, Terry. The amorous part of your relationship with Worf. Yes. Uh, Everybody wants Worf. in on Dax's sex life today. Yeah, just, just a quick question on that, and then a follow-up question. Uh, when he kissed you and he bit you. Uh, Didn't I bite him? I think you bit him first. I did. I think that, that was that was the bit of that that, that I was like, I'm okay with that. Idea. Like it just. Hurt. She's got to take control. Yeah. Well done. Well, not always, but you know. <laughs> okay, this mountain up. of a man. I had to bite him. It just <laughs> yummy. That's great. Follow yeah. <laughs> You talked about wanting to be a rock star. So when you were in the movie Legion with Teen Idols, Parker Stevenson, and Rick Springfield, yes. did you sing with them, and did you consider going out on tour with them? No, I can't. Let them sing without me. Yeah, no. That was kind of a hard shoot, the Legion shoot. Was not a. Oh. Rock stars. Yeah, rock stars. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh, the best answer we could get for that. Sorry. <laughs> you can't say something. I can't even say something nice about me in that film. I think I was so OTT. But I still did it. <laughs> I can't see your face, so I don't even know what I'm reacting to. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Thank he's, you. he's thrilled beyond, beyond belief. You're so kind. <laughs> Over here on this mic. Hello. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> I just want to follow up actually kind of a little bit on the conversation you and RMC were just having about the many different lives of Dax. And I was curious. Because I mentioned they gave you a bit of preparation, maybe some more background than we might have had, and certainly we saw the glimpses in like a few episodes of your past lives. But if you had a choice about which of the elements of Dax we could perhaps get a better feel for, maybe in a different Star Trek series, just as an extra character, or just anything like that, what do you think of her life would be good for us to know to help understand Gen Z and Dax better? Anything you didn't get to unpack in the show. Yeah. Um, um, what I think was unfortunate, just for me in terms of what was getting me through the whole process, and no, I didn't know anything that you weren't finding out. They had no idea what to do with me once they created me. So, <laughs> let me tell you, it was a really rough beginning. Um, Ivana Chubbett, who is a wonderful acting coach, she said, oh, you just need someone to run lines with you. Because when they hired an acting coach for me, it totally humiliated me, because I thought, oh my God. They, they think I can't act. What do you mean? I'm not enough. I know. Oh my God, this is terrible. I like almost just want to quit because I'm so embarrassed. So embarrassing. But she was really helpful um, in, in helping me find the courage to do the things that I wanted to do, like my sense of humor, trying to find a way to work it in, no matter what the scene was about. Otherwise, it would be too dry. 
There was like a lot of dryness to what I had to talk about. But the element that I wish um, would have been much more clear would have been um, meditation, a peacefulness that you can only imagine someone who's 350 years old would have. And for me, I would feel like I, even though I'm 28, I'm like everyone's mom here. I'm here to be the bigger person always. I'm here to be supportive and loving and kind to all of you always. And to me, that is who I, I felt Dax was at her essence because how could you be so accepting? I mean, how, how could you even stand being alive 30, 350 years if you didn't completely have compassion for absolutely every being that you were meeting with? you'd have a different perspective that none of us could relate to. I mean, you were kind of the first female Doctor Who. Oh, that's awesome. Right? I love right? Doctor Who. <laughs> David Tennant. <laughs> no, Colin Baker. No, Colin Baker. Colin Baker. She's Colin a Colin Baker, Baker fan too. <laughs> I am. We've got another question over here. Just a few minutes left. We're going we're gonna to get through all these, I promise. advice to repeat to you? I don't know. I, I've accepted a lot of bad advice. I, I'm human. Any, anything, any, anything that, <laughs> I mean, to follow a theme, anything that, that doesn't speak truly to who you are. Yeah, exactly. And then I think then the lesson is just throughout your life becoming a better friend to yourself and a better advisor to yourself because the truth is you're the only person who has the answer that you can live with. In, to blame it on someone else or put it off, a decision off on someone else when it's really about the decision needs to be made by you. That's always a big mistake. Uh, favorite episodes? Every single one of them that I had a lot to do in. Except for, you know what, I was really so much fun was getting to be that, uh, oh my God, when I was a secretary and I got to have an accent. Excuse me, yes. yes. When you go back in time. Oh yeah. I wish I would have gotten to do more stuff like that, you know? Yes. Next over here. Hi. So, during middle school, I watched DS9, and I absolutely adored that. So, whenever I found out you were coming, I completely nerded all over the floor. Oh, <laughs> nerd. Love it. I think my son, I don't remember the difference between nerd and geek, but my son is one of them. I have a special place in my heart for you. What I wanted to ask you, um, since I was going through this fashion phase in middle school, I was always attracted to your hair clips. And I have a collection of mine at home, and I wondered if you got to keep any of them, if they were any special to you. That was kind of the most flawless ponytail in the history of film. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely not mine. Uh, it was a three-quarter fall. That way I didn't have to cut my hair, because I really don't like getting my hair cut. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, yes, it was amazing. It was, I don't really want to say that I had maybe two or three, but there were not doubles on anything. And no, I did not get to keep them. I know, right? And you didn't swipe any? 
No, but I have my bat lift. The yeah. That's something I'll hang over a fireplace. Oh, yeah. There were some people who were very upset with the, the powers that be that did not negotiate with me and, and agreed and were on my side. And a couple of those people gave me packages and said, do not open this until you go home. And I was just like, all right, dude, I'm not opening anything. And one of them was my metal bat list, the one that I carried with the guys when we walked through the fire. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So don't break into my house. <laughs> I've, been, I've been given the signal from off stage by the right. guy with the bat left. No, I know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we're having to cut things off, but can we rapid fire like one line oh, yeah, question, sorry. one line answer? My, Real okay. fast. Jadina got me through a lot of tough times in high school and now I'm a stay at home mom. Do you have any advice to get me through this season of my life? No pressure. Oh my gosh. Always uh, do something good for yourself every day, even if it's just for a moment. Seriously. You could seriously. You can put this stuff in a How book. How old is he? Crying it. I have a five-year-old and three-year-old. Ah, oh, get some help. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seriously, I hired a girl down the street in the summer to just play with Max when he was two and a half for two hours. For two hours, I just wanted to sit without having to move. I, right? My shoulders are up on my ears all the time. Yeah, it just you'll be a better mom for it for real. We're going to rapid fire through these because we're not going to lose a question the first time. Yes. 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 Energy. Energy. Yes. So I made sure I wrote down my question. So this is my question. So I get it right. Oh, right, right. During your time in Deep Space Nine, how do you think you grew either professionally, personally, or both? Oh, I need to. I acquired Dax as my ally, as my patron saint. So you know how you all feel about Dax. I mean, to be a, part, a partial creator of her, I can recall her in a nanosecond. I could put the, I think you'd have the suit on and I can become her. So yeah. So if you're scared and you need me to Dax, just stand behind me and push me ahead of you, you're good. Next. Hi, Terry, my name is Heather and I actually don't have a question. I have a comment because I've worked with you for a short time on DS9 and yeah. training. Um, 95, 96. Was I awesome? No, the reason I wanted to make a comment is I want everyone to know that what they're saying up here is exactly what she's like. You were wonderful. I'm the lowliest of the low on, oh, the, no, on, no, the, no. Uh, on the totem pole, and you were fabulous, made me feel welcome. And I mean, I, I have to say, you. I loved you would call me into your trailer and we would just sit and girl chat. Oh my God, thank you. So you were fabulous. That was when I was in my teen trailer. And, yes, and I, I won't mention. I won't tell anybody the stories we talked about. Okay, good. <laughs> good. But thank, thank you. you so much for really being a person that is that. Thank you. And we have well, one. Well, there is a point where I get like, you know, don't invite you to the set. It's my job. We have so one. I get ticked off. We have one coach? last one in uniform. Let's get that out of there. Um, Jadzia worked or like interacted a lot with the Klingons and stuff. Like there was one episode where three Klingons came and they went to fulfill the blood oath they made whenever Jadzia yeah, first That's the that was I'm talking about. <laughs> And I just kind of wanted to know, like, how you got ready to embrace the inner Klingon, because she basically turned into a Klingon whenever she interacted with them. How did I do that? I don't know. I just did. It was my job. You looked at a portrait of Michael Dorn, <laughs> and you said, "I'm going to summon the Klingon inside of me." There's a certain point with any job that you have where you just get to it. If you have to create every day, you get practiced at having to create every day. If you have the luxury of not acting every day, then you don't have to create every day, but it forces you to create even if you don't feel like it. Even if you have the flu, you're there, you know how to do it. 
So that's a huge advantage to actors who have been on series, is that you have to do it, and there's nobody that can replace you. So it doesn't matter if your back's out, you're showing up, right? So like that, you just fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to end things. Terry is here until 3.30, so if you have not gone to see her, or even if you have already gone to see her, go see her again. Thank you. Because she's just right over here. Thank you. Yes, I, I can, I'm sorry I can only stay until 3.30 because I have a flight to go back home. But it makes me feel like the old days, though. I kind of feel like when I get home, there's going to be a script on my doorstep. But it won't be there. <laughs> but I like that fantasy right now. <laughs> so you do want to get back into the game. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh. Did you, 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 you stepped oh, up to the edge. Stepped up to the edge. So He's only 11. He's only 11. <laughs> I love you guys, though. I love you so much for coming, and thank you. This is Terry's first time here, so let's let her hear it. How much you want to have her back. Thank you, guys. All right, uh, are we, we, good, good, they, they've got photos of the table and everything, and I'm looking for a staff person uh, 